What's up, everybody? Welcome to the Man I Want to Be podcast. My name is Keaton. I am your host. Bonus episode in my uh, recorded in the same day because in my last episode we went through a lot of like history of thought and it was broken down like very simply. And I also gave this call to action that it is time for men to start figuring out what they believe and why. And um, to and I said to read old books and. Um, but then I realized after I had published the podcast, I was like, well, I probably should give people some tools and resources so they can start to formulate in their mind and live out what they believe and why they believe what they believe. And, um, it is vital that you know what you believe and why and vital that you believe or know what you don't believe and why you don't believe those things. And I know mom on her podcast uh, that I'm doing next week uh, is going to talk about be careful with beliefs. Uh, there are things that we can believe that are not necessarily true or real or good. And mom's going to address a lot of that um, more f- probably towards the family. It will be interesting to see what mom says. But it is vital that we that we know what we believe and why because everything that we do emanates from what we really believe. Um, so... I quickly put together a list of resources from books and online. This list is by no means extensive. It is long, but it's not extensive. It's not complete. It's not everything that I've ever studied. Um, But these are some of the better books and resources that I have found um, from for helping shape what I believe um, and how the world, how I see the world, and all that kind of stuff that I think are are historically very, very good books and resources. Um, so I'll put all. I'm going to list out all of the resources uh, in the show notes. But I want to talk through um, these different books very briefly, um, and then the online resources and why I think they're very good resources. Okay, um, all of the books that I am going to. Uh, list I have read um, and you it's not that I necessarily agree with all of them but they have all been pivotal in shaping um, how I understand the world and Christianity uh, politics culture society family all that kind of stuff um, and this, this is a great place to start so I would with the extensive list I would pick like two books that you're like all right I'm gonna start there and then um, go from there. Now, these books, um, I didn't break them into categories. You're going to have some uh, philosophy, some theology, um, some practical Christianity. Um, there's going to be some speeches. Um, and then I do have a couple novels. And there's a, um, they're kind of like mini biographies. Um, yeah, so I, I'm just looking through that list real quick on my computer. Uh, okay, so four books. Uh, the first book that I would start with is a book called Prevailing Worldviews Since the 1500s. Um, I can't remember who the author is. I had to read this book. Uh, Glenn Martin. Dr. Glenn Martin is the author of the book. Uh, I had to read this book twice this year for school. And it is a, it's not a long book. It's a short book maybe 200 pages, like maybe 200 pages with big text, but it will give you an overview of all of the worldviews from the last 1500s. It opens up with the, the what basically what a worldview is, um, how we understand knowledge, 
And then chapter two is about the Christian worldview. Um, and then uh, through the ages, the Christian worldview through the ages. And then he compares the other primary worldviews to Christianity. So he'll go through romanticism, transcendentalism, uh, Enlightenment liberalism, Marxism. He spends a lot of time on Marxism. That chapter will blow your mind. Um, and rationalism. Uh, so Enlightenment liberalism is the Enlightenment comes from rationalism, and that's where reason is ultimate. The uh, Enlightenment philosophers like John Locke and Thomas Hobbes and those people, um, as as brilliant as they were, they believed that. Um, Reason was ultimate, the ultimate way to find things. And they disregarded history. They uh, discarded tradition. And they thought that reason would be the way that we can figure out the entire world. Now, we we should reason, but reason made ultimate uh, becomes rationalism. Okay, So Prevailing Worldviews is a great book to start. Um, next book, City of God by Augustine. This is a really old book, and it's a really thick book. And depending on how familiar you are with Roman history, some of it you might be like, well, I don't even get what is going on. It is a fantastic book. Uh, Augustine (laughs) demolishes. After the Roman Empire falls, um, they start blaming Christianity for the fall of the Roman Empire and say, it's your Christianity that caused this. We should have worshipped the pagan gods and not adopted Christianity. And Augustine was like, it is your basically says it's your worship of pagan gods and your allowance of things that are evil that that destroyed your country. It is a um, and your empire. It is a brilliant book. Highly recommend. It is worth the it's worth the read. Uh, the next one I re- would read. This is my favorite Christian book of all time. It's Divine Conspiracy by Dallas Willard. Um, I quote Dallas Willard all the time, especially this book, and sometimes without even referencing him. Divine Conspiracy, it opens up with a the chapter of we are all flying upside down and we don't know what is good anymore. And then chapter two is dedicated to what he calls the gospel of sin management, how people uh, who are in his, he wrote this in the 90s. And so right and left were differed pretty much only on economics, nothing else. And he said um, his basic premise is the gospel on the right and on the left uh, is basically gospels of sin management and missing exactly what Jesus had, had come to t- teach and what God had taught through scripture. Uh, chapter three is what Jesus knew, our God bathed world. Uh, and then chapter four, five, six, and seven, he just goes through the Sermon on the Mount and basically answers the question is, what is a good person and what does a good person do? And he says that Jesus has the greatest teachings on what a good person does. And you're going to you're gonna get great teachings on the Beatitudes, anger, uh, adultery, and sexual lust that leads to divorce, retaliation, um, how to love our enemies. Um, you get, oh, let me see if I can remember the Sermon on the Mount. Great teaching on um, practicing your righteousness to be seen by others by establishing, establishing your reputation. Uh, prayer of com- a prayerful community of love, which is how we get away from condemnation as a way to control people, and then the restoration of all things. It is a brilliant book. I have I've probably read that book more than I've read any other book because I go to it. I go back to it all over and over and over again. Fantastic book. That's a great place to start. 
um, after you read Prevailing Worldview so that you get a basic idea of what's going on. Divine Conspiracy will help you actually live out the teachings of Jesus. Um, uh, John Calvin's Institutes. Now, I said I've read all of these books. I have not read Calvin all the way through because if you've ever picked up the Institutes of the Christian Religion by John Calvin, it is gigantic. But I have read many parts of it, um, and I can't say that I would I'm, I would never, never in a million years say I'm a Calvinist. Um, I think the Calvinist theology, especially in modern times, is focused too much on justification by faith and not the other parts of Christianity, uh, like the kingdom of God and Christ, Christ is victor and, and stuff like that. But uh, John Calvin was instrumental in shaping what we now know as federalism um, and how to live out as Christians. And the Puritans were heavily uh, influenced by John Calvin. And even if you're not a Calvinist um, or you just, you're like, I don't even like Calvin, uh, Calvin is a good person to read because he was one of the greats in Christian thought. Uh, Witness by Whitaker Chambers. This is a memoir autobiography of a guy who was a communist and then who became a Christian and dedicated his life to exposing um, communism within the American government early, like in the 1930s, 40s, and 50s. The first chapter of that book will blow your mind. It is so good, and he was an inc- he was a translator, author as a that's what he did for work, and his writing ability makes it read like a novel, but it's a memoir. It's a fantastic book, especially the first chapter. Highly recommend it. Uh, the book that I was referencing in the first podcast is a book called Conservatism: A Rediscovery by Yoram Hazoni. The Jewish guy, I believe that's how you say his name, Yoram Hazani, Conservatism, A Rediscovery. It is a page turner. Um, he has a little bit of history, a little bit of philosophy, a little bit of uh, Christianity and Judaism. And it, it is so, so, so good. I can't wait to reread it. Um, highly recommend it. If you consider yourself a conservative, but you're like, your primary mode of being conservative is limited government, free markets, and individual rights, this is going to be a challenge to your worldview, and it is really, really, really good. <clears throat> Highly recommend it. Um, next, I just put everything by C.S. Lewis. Like, just read everything C.S. Lewis ever wrote. He is a fantastic author. Mere Christianity is um, a great book. I mean, even his novels, The Chronicles of Narnia, just everything C.S. Lewis wrote, his essays, whatever you can get your hands on, is a great – his um, – his writings are incredible. His book, uh, what's it called? He's got that famous line that we have met, we've make men without chess and then expect great things from them. Uh, I forget what the book is called. Um, read C.S. Lewis. Highly recommend it. All right, next, I recommend reading the Federalist Papers, um, especially the famous ones. If you Google fe- famous Federalist Papers, you'll get a list of the most famous ones. Uh, especially Federalist Number 10. Federalist Papers were written primarily by Alexander Hamilton. Some of them were written by James Madison, and then a couple were written by a guy named John Jay. The, uh, the Federalist Papers are a philosophy of the American government, the reason it was set up the way it was, but it's also a philosophy of human nature and how societies function together. And, the re- and that philosophy of human nature 
Um, and that examination of history is the reason that they did separations of powers uh, vertically and horizontally. And it is a, it's an incredible read. It's not an easy read because it's part because of the, the way English was at the time. Um, it'll almost feel like you're reading part of the King James Bible. But it, if you're willing to work through it, it's an incredible book, uh, especially I think number 10 is the best of all the Federalist Papers. Um, it talks about how what happens in a society when different factions or different philosophies take over the country um, and the ambition of those philosophies to take over. What What's the proper response? Really, really good. Okay, next, A Patriot's History of the United States. Highly recommend this book. It's a thousand pages. My brother-in-law asked me, he's like, hey, I want to learn more about American history. Where should I start? And I said, start with this book. It's a really easy read. He got it. And he was like, what the heck is this? It's a thousand pages. It is long, but that's because it's covering almost 250 years. Actually, it's covering more than that. It's covering roughly, well, 500 years of history because it starts before Columbus. It was written in response to Howard Zinn's terrible book on the history of the United States, um, which was critical theory and Marxism at its finest. Uh, so he wrote this to bring back a a history of the United States that is honorable, but also honest about our flaws throughout history and how we have corrected them. Really, really great book. The opening introduction or the introduction is all about the how the founders really thought character and Christianity was fundamental to a prosperous nation. Uh, in line with A Patriot's History of the United States, I recommend reading A History of the American People by Paul Johnson. Also, a, a really long book covers the history of the United States from prior to um, even Columbus. Um, but he does a great job highlighting um, cultural things uh, that mattered at the time. So not just the politics, but he, he talks a lot about um, uh, the Great Awakening and the, the people who of the Great Awakening, who I believe is the Great Awakening, uh, who set up the country for a revolution that would lead to the Constitution. His last chapter in the 80s and about the decimation or, or uh, about um, certain churches adopting progressive norms and how it uh, dissolved their churches. Really great book. Highly recommend it. He also wrote a book on uh, the history of Christianity. I have not read it, but I, I would like to read it. Uh, all right. Next book, Abraham Lincoln's Speeches. Uh, I am a the Theodore Roosevelt fan. Abraham Lincoln is probably our greatest president of, of all time. Um, I think hands down, he, there's a book about his leadership style that I can't recommend enough, but his speeches are beautiful works of art and they will compel you to want to be a good man who takes his part in his country and to be a good Christian man. Like there it's incredible. I also threw in Theodore Roosevelt's speeches on Amazon. If you type in The Strenuous Life, you can get a small book of Theodore Roosevelt's speeches. Uh, he is not as he's not the literary genius or writer that Lincoln was by any stretch of the imagination. But his I mean, his speeches will make you want to conquer a mountain. <laughs> they are motivational. Uh, next book, The Story of Christianity by Justo Gonzalez. This is, there's two volumes. It's good to know the story of Christianity and how, they, how it played out over the years. And he does not um, shy away from the dark parts of Christianity. And he also does a great job of highlighting the different emphases, emphases uh, right, throughout Christianity. 
great place to start on a history of Christianity and to understand the heritage of Christianity. Uh, moving on, next book, Explaining Postmodernism by Stephen Hicks. Okay, so postmodernism is um, part of Enlightenment liberalism uh, and part of critical theory. So when you start to study the history of philosophy, you're going to start to you'll see a lot of different names just kind of thrown together. So there was Enlightenment liberalism, Enlightenment rationalism, conservative. Uh, liberalism like they they just throw a bunch of words together and be like which one is which and it's with philosophy it's quarter turns on different ideas um, postmodernism l- paved the way for critical theory um, and this book explaining postmodernism um, gives kind of the background history to how we got there so it's gonna be similar to prevailing worldviews when he in prevailing worldviews when he talks about postmodernism he's gonna call it process philosophy Postmodernism and process philosophy are the exact same thing, um, and how how we got to where we are. Okay. In the same vein, uh, the next book, "The Rise and Triumph of the Modern Self" by Carl Truman. He is a theologian. Uh, this book looks at the history of philosophy and ideas that led to the cultural norm today, where the expression of yourself, either sexually or however, is the highest good. Uh, he explores that, and that is a really, really good book. It's kind of dry, uh, but so is explaining postmodernism. Kind of dry, but very, very important. Also in the same vein, there's a book called Cynical Theories by James Lindsay. <clears throat> Cynical Theories um, is similar to these other two, except James Lindsay focuses on specifically critical theory and its core tenets and how it has played out in um, the the philosophies that are taught in uh, liberal arts education now. Um, uh, James Lindsay is not a Christian. Um, he is actually a, he is a staunch liberal. He wants to return to classical liberalism, which I, I disagree with. But uh, this book is really, really important, a great read um, to help you understand what is crazy in the world. He is pretty academic, uh, so some, and he's very, very smart, and that comes across in his writing. Um, so sometimes, like when I read it, I was like, I have to reread this paragraph. I don't understand what you just said. Uh, worth the effort. Okay, uh, next, The Exodus Commentary by Dennis Prager. You can get this at a Barnes & Noble or on Amazon. Dennis Prager is a um, he's a Jewish guy who is a teacher. He did public radio. <coughs> Excuse me. He had um, his an online platform called PragerU, which we'll talk about in a minute. <clears throat> His commentary on Exodus has uh, one focus. If you get a commentary, you know each kind of has its own focus. Some are more uh, all-encompassing. He has a um, a focus on on liberty and the establishment of nations and the Ten Commandments and honoring a father and mother. It's really, really good. Highly recommend it. I am going through that right now. I'm going through the Exodus commentary by Dennis Prager. Uh, next, Politics According to the Bible by Wayne Grudem. This is a reference book. This is not one that you read front to back. It's a big book, but it's a theological uh, stance on politics. You'll notice when you read it, it's not really right or left as we understand it, but it is rooted in the scripture. And I have gleaned a lot from that book by Wayne Grudem. Uh, the next book. Now, this is not uh, in any vein similar to what I have the books I've recommended so far, but it is a book that we've done a podcast on, and that's Endurance by Alfred Lansing. 
And the reason I put this book on there is because as a man, you need to know what other great men have done, what action they have taken. Um, ideas are important, but action is is equally as important to ideas. Uh, people who sit around with just ideas and talk and chatter and debate, uh, Theodore Roosevelt called them high-minded idealists who are good for nothing. <laughs> he didn't mind insulting a few people. It's kind of funny. Uh, Shackleton was probably, I've heard someone call him the greatest leader that ever lived who was also unknown because he, was, he wasn't famous at all. He wasn't even celebrated until people started writing books about him. But this is a man who led people through unbelievable <clears throat> circumstances in the Antarctic, kept them alive, and, and got them back to their home, and maintained a level of hope within his men. Incredible book if you want to be a leader on what it means to be a steadfast man. Like, read it, read it again, and be enthralled with the story and who... Uh, in who uh, Shackleton was. Uh, next book, The Mission of God's People by Chris Wright. This was a book that I read earlier this year. He also has a book called The Mission of God, which is a big theological book. The Mission of God's People is more of a practical book. There's a whole section on being good citizens and what is God trying to accomplish through his people on earth. Really great book. Bonhoeffer, next one, by Eric Metaxas, one of the great Christian saints. Also was not famous until after his martyrdom. Bonhoeffer um, was he was killed in a concentration camp for because he was put there because he he felt it was the right thing to do to assassinate Hitler and they got caught and he was a pacifist but he was so convinced that Hitler is is reached a level of evil that it was time for for it was for the good of the world that he be taken out. Bonhoeffer also he could see prior to anybody where Germany was headed. And he was the only person who was speaking out. He spoke out so much against Hitler that he was banned from his church. Um, really, really great story of Bonhoeffer. Very inspiring. Highly recommend. It's by Eric Metaxas. Also by Eric Metaxas, a book called Seven Men. That's a microbiography on seven different men. One of them is George Washington. And just it highlights um, different character traits of these men and, and what they did in, in the history. Next book, Reappearing Church by Mark Sayers. He is Australian, and he is, if you've ever read Leslie Newbigin, he Leslie Newbigin was in the 80s. Mark Sayers, like, I swear he can see into the future. Uh, he is an incredible uh, cultural commentator, pastor of a church in Australia in his book Reappearing Church is a pretty is a very good um, synthesis of what is currently happening in culture and the church's role in it. Really loved that book. I actually did some video series on that book for people at our church. <clears throat> really great one. Okay, novels. Uh, I am new to the novel game. I have, <laughs> and I don't know what took me so long because I've been reading a lot of novels and. I can say with full assurance that novels are way better reads than just nonfiction. They are in they like are captivating, especially the, the the classic novels that have been around for a while. So I picked out two novels that I think everybody should read. Um, 
The first one is East of Eden by John Steinbeck. This is, I just finished this book and it will be part of a podcast later on. And that, it was gripping. And everyone I talked to was like, oh yeah, I read that in high school. And I was like, well, I don't know what I was doing in high school. East of Eden um, is the story of two families and it's centered around the story of Cain and Abel, like directly in the middle of the book on page, it's a 600 page book on page 300. There is a dialogue about, um, about the story of Cain and Abel and how God says to Cain, um, sin is crouching at the door and you shall rule over it. And that is throughout the entire book that men have the capability to not let sin have dominion over them. It, it, it is a gripping book about, uh, family evil and the stuff of normal life. And I just, I, I could discuss that book all day. I wish I had it in front of me. Uh, the next novel I recommend is the brothers Karamazov by Dostoevsky. This is a difficult read. It's a very long read. And if you've ever tried to read Dostoevsky, you know that he is, he's not an easy person to read, but this book was worth the labor. I mean, it took me six months to read brothers Karamazov, but the reason I put it on my books of um, that you should read to help you understand what you believe is because the main character, Alexi, Alexia, he's the youngest of three brothers. Um, and the story is about these three brothers and their dad and their rampant evil. So you've got one brother who is a sensualist. He can't control himself. You've got one brother who wishes he was an atheist, but he really can't be. He can't make sense of the suffering in the world. Their dad is like the oldest brother. He's also a sensualist and he's controlling and demeaning and he only cares about himself. And there's all these weird relationship stuff with women, like, and between the brothers and the dad. And then the dad is murdered and you don't know who by, but throughout all of that, the youngest brother tr- does his best to hold together his family by honoring each person where they are. And that's the reason I put it on the on on the list is because this young man sought to honor his father and his brothers as best he could and to help them work through wherever they were at. And he kept his honor the entire time. Incredible, incredible, incredible. Uh that that's probably my favorite. I don't know. Brothers Karamazov or East of Eden is currently one of those two is currently my favorite novel. I don't know which one to decide, but highly, highly recommend it, which I know I've said that on every book. I just keep repeating myself. Um, so that's my long list of books. Uh, pick one or two to start and then, or just copy and paste from the show notes, these different books and make a list and then just take the next couple of years reading them. Now I, I did not like read all of these last week. I've read these over years and um, they've helped shape what I believe and understanding what you believe and why and living it out. It's going to take a long time and a lot of study and a lot of thinking and a lot of correcting and it doesn't happen quickly, but let it, let the process take at least start in a good direction. Okay. Other thing, other, so these are some online resources that I think are awesome um, you can pick one and use them. Okay. The first one I put is Hillsdale, Hillsdale college free online courses. So Hillsdale has, I really, I'm a big fan of Hillsdale college. My sister-in-law went to Hillsdale. I'm super jealous, but they have these free online courses on like the history of the constitution, history of America. They have, um, books or courses on biblical literature, uh, like Genesis and, how to read it. And they've got a lot of really, really great online courses that are free. 
that will help you start to understand a traditional uh, understanding of the world. It's really, really good. They are they're conservative. Conservative means traditional and historic. That's that's what it means. It's rooted in empirical thought. That means we, everything that we understand about the world has been built on by generation after generation after generation versus just trying to reason in our mind and completely disregarding the past. That's ultimately the difference between conservatism and liberalism. Liz, liberalism relies primarily on reason and disregards the past. Conservatism tries to build on what was on what has been built before and understand the world through that lens, which I think is a way better way than just trying to reason with the mind because your mind can, if you think about it, you're, you could reason your way into conservatism. You could also reason your way into Marxism and other evil. So uh, I do, all of these sources would be considered conservative sources. Uh, Theos U, they're an online theology school. It's like 20 bucks a month. They'll do books of the Bible, hot topics. They, they did one on Christian na- nationalism, catechism, uh, basics of the faith. There's nothing that they won't touch or even have a conversation about. It's $20 a month. Highly recommend. It's started by a bunch of Bible nerds, and they bring in the best teachers from everywhere. Uh, it's re- a really, really great resource. I'm a big fan of the work at Theos U. And if you're really interested, they have an online seminary called Theos Seminary that you can check out hundred dollars a month to get a degree in theology. Uh, Prager U. So I referenced pra- uh, Dennis Prager's uh, commentary. He has an online education tool. Uh, they're f- basically five minute videos on civics, culture, history, politics, American traditionalism, the family, Jewish teaching. Like they're awesome. And they make kids, kids content to help kids start to get a great education on conservative traditional values and then the next one I put is the Daily Wire. Now, with the Daily Wire, I know you got Ben Shapiro and their news, and you're like, oh, I don't know about those. Dude, I get that. I get that. Um, but the Daily Wire, the reason I love them is because they're doing things that are really good for stabilizing culture. Like, they're making good movies. They've got their podcast. They've got they've imported all of Jordan Peterson's stuff to their platform. They've imported PragerU and partnered with PragerU. So if you have a Daily Wire subscription, you get everything from Jordan Peterson and everything from PragerU. They make good documentaries. Um, they're about to start making kids content, which is, uh, <clears throat> um, excuse me, kids content. They hired the writers of VeggieTales to make kids content, and. Uh, they have one of my favorite cultural commentators named Andrew Clavin. Andrew Clavin is he is a he is a comedian. He writes his the opening part of his show is satire. He talks part politics, part culture, part Christianity, um, and he is just an awesome guy to listen to. He does a show once a week. <clears throat> so those are the resources I would start with as you start to think about uh, how do I form my worldview. And then the other one, of course, is the Bible. Man, um, one thing you're going to start to notice as you read conservative material from the last 2,000 years is it's all rooted in the biblical story. All of it. All of it is rooted in the biblical story. That's partly because the Bible is really the first book and partly because the Bible is true. And I think God knew he had needed to make the first book because everything would be be rooted in it. You need to know the word. Um, 
read all of the New Testament, there's no better teacher in the world than Jesus Christ. He's the smartest man to have ever lived, and he's the best teacher. I would say Moses is the second best teacher, and then Paul is the third greatest teacher to have ever lived. So read the New Testament, read Paul's letters, read Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, and Deuteronomy. Like, get them in and start to see, like, how does this implement, not just for salvation, but for a strong society, and what is God trying to do on the earth through these these teachings and these laws. I mean, Leviticus, you're going to be like, well, blah, blah, blah. Uh, maybe just read like the middle portion. I don't, um, but Deuter- I remember my dad used to, he offered us money to read Deuteronomy uh, six through eight is great reading chapter six through eight in Deuteronomy for our, uh, for our nation right now. Um, you'll be shocked at how good it is. Um, but then he, like even judges judges is probably the darkest book in the entire Bible and judges is, shows what happens to a nation when they abandon God. God is there at the beginning and by the end, he's nowhere to be found. And it's just God slowly disappearing into the background in the life of Israel. And you get to see what happens to a nation when they abandon God. And it closes with this final line that says, there was no worship of God and everyone did what was right in his own eyes, which is the heart of liberalism. Again, these ideas, they're not new. They just get different names, but okay. 33 minutes is longer than I thought this would be. Um, check out the show notes for the resources. And till next time, this is the Man I Want to Be podcast.